I just published my day two in can uh, story on my blog. Um, and the highlight of it is the lighthouse, which is which stars Robert Pattinson. I tweeted that the highlight of day two was the lighthouse. No mention of Robert Pattinson's name. Nowhere. No, no mention of it. Just the lighthouse was the best thing I saw day two. And I've been hit but with like 20 retweets and likes from Robert Pattinson bots, like like right? fan accounts. It is that so is exactly weird. That's what happened when I like sent out like your other, yeah. Yeah, it, it yeah. is so weird. Like there's just this army of bots on Twitter that service no one but Robert Pattinson. And it doesn't matter. Like they know what film season. That's what's so bizarre to me. It, it's not some someone who's like someone is taking the time to say to to add the buzzwords of the upcoming films he's in versus just adding Robert Pattinson and Twilight or something. Like it's so weird. <laughs> I don't like it. Uh, I mean, I appreciate the retweets, but but still, I want it to be real people. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Real Talk. The gang's all here. We are back after our week hiatus. We uh, ate plenty of hot dogs and drank lots of beer and celebrated the 4th of July because America, uh, well, at least two-thirds of us did, <coughs> Peter. <coughs> Not <me>. sorry. <laughs> Not sorry at all. <laughs> but yes, uh, as I said, whole gang's here, so please help me, uh, please join me in welcoming the one and only Peter Kosanovich. Hey there. Sup? And, of course, the wonderful Julie Chappick. Hey, guys. So, this week is a bit of a slow week. There's not really a whole lot going on. Uh, we'll talk about the latest trailers that came out last week and this week, uh, and this past week, um... More things came out over the 4th than did last week, so that gives you an idea of how slow a week it's been. Uh, we got a couple quick reviews to hit on, and then some news, because of course we are your one-stop shop for all the latest trailers, films, and news. And Hollywood news. Oops. <laughs> uh, anyway, trailers. Uh, yeah, we got a couple uh, came out in the last two weeks, uh, including Mulan, Knives Out, uh, Maleficent, Mistress of Evil. Ode to Joy, Dora the Explorer, Judy, Jumanji, The Next Level. So most of those are uh, the second trailers for those films. Uh, Mulan is new. Maleficent is new. Uh, but Dora, Judy, and Jumanji are all uh, the second trailer, I think? Or is Jumanji new? Is Jumanji new too? I feel like Jumanji is new. Okay, yeah, maybe. So m- most of them are new. <laughs> we'll just... We'll just yeah, what I just said was completely wrong. It's fine. It's cool. It's it, it's all good. Uh, I <laughs> I'm excited for Knives Out, uh, which is the first film from director Ryan Johnson since he made The Last Jedi, uh, which Peter and I have wildly different opinions on, but very very very. But we both agree on the Knives Out that we're both very excited for Knives Out because the trailer's great. It's a who's who of stars. Uh, everyone from like Chris Evans and Daniel Craig and Michael Shannon and Tony Collette and Anna de Armas and uh, freaking 
Jamie Lee Curtis is just looks like a complete boss, and of course Christopher Plummer, uh, who could do anything. Like it's just some of the stars that are in this. It's it's absurd. Um, and yeah, like I said, the trailer looks great. It's a murder mystery. Uh, I'm not as worried that it's one of those films where an act. Uh, it's an like a film where they blew their whole budget on actors and forgot to hire a screenwriter because Ryan Johnson is both the director and the writer uh, for Knives Out. So hopefully it'll be great. Uh, they're sliding it right into the same time as uh, Bad Times at the El Royale did last year, I think. It's like it feels so much like Bad Times at the El Royale. Um, it does. Yeah, I hadn't thought of that. Yeah, it, uh, it just. But I'm very much okay with that because that was like it was this really fun, like popcorny mystery film that happened, like came right in the thick of the, of award season. Uh, hopefully, Knives Out does that too. So I'm very excited. Uh, Peter, what are you most excited about? Uh, I'm most excited for uh, Mulan, actually, of those trailers. Um, and the reason I'm most excited for Mulan is I, I know some people are, are miffed that it, it doesn't look uh, exactly like the animated sequel or the animated film from the 90s. But for me, that's actually why I'm so excited about this, because the animated film is nothing, de- departs from the Mulan myth, like, or the historical event so, so much that it's it's not accurate at all. Like, it's enjoyable. I love that movie, but it's just not even close to what the myth is. So for for this to just kind of also be departing in a completely different direction also, I, I'm all, all for that. Um, yeah, and on top of that, this looks like the movie that Disney is actually taking the biggest risk on. It looks like an old, like, wushu-like... Crouch and Tiger, Hidden Dragon type thing. It looks like it's going to be like a martial arts epic movie, which has me excited. It's it's something completely different from Disney. Like even if it's a remake of a, of one of their existing properties, it looks completely different, uh, which has me excited. So, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. For, this is more of a teaser, so we'll have to wait and see for more of a full trailer or like when the actual movie comes out. But like at the moment, it it has me it has me cautiously like cautiously really excited <laughs> if, if that works uh so yeah so mulan yeah the being cautiously excited for a uh disney live action remake film uh that's that's a bold uh that's a bold strategy there cotton <laughs> <laughs> i mean like the other ones have mostly been just really safe remakes but this one and, and i just i don't care about any of them because i don't feel need to have any of them be retold this one looks drastically different than the than the original movie it looks like a completely fresh take because they're going for that wushu like martial martial arts epic style um so it it just it looks so different it's it's a different style so it like it's going to do well at the box office anyway like no like to no surprise of anyone yeah i'm just i'm excited that they're actually taking the risk on doing it because i mean like it, it it looks stylistically different. Like, yeah, Lion King, Jungle Book, there are like risks because they're of what they're doing with animation stuff. Yes, that's one thing. But like, this is a completely different stylistic choice that is based on a martial arts genre. Like, it looks like Crouching Dagger and Dragon. It looks like uh, House of Flying Daggers. It it looks like Hero with Je- with with uh, with Jelly. Like, it looks like these epic martial arts films, and I'm okay with that. Yeah. So that's yeah. why it has me like cautiously really optimistic. Alright. I gotcha. Uh Julie, what are you most excited about from that batch of trailers? I'm really excited about actually a lot of the movies. I know you guys maybe not, but 
I am excited about Judy, Jumanji. Um, the one that I'm going to talk about is the one, apparently, I'm just into kids' movies this summer. Um, Dora the Explorer. Dora I've, the Explorer. Yeah, I've never seen the cartoon. I'll be honest, I've never seen the cartoon. Um, but when we saw Toy Story, it was one of the trailers. Or at least it was for me. And I thought it was done in a way that it kind of appealed, obviously, to the adults taking the children, at least. I thought it was kind of fun. There were a couple, like, hidden gestures or whatever, but they were more driven towards adults. And that was kind of funny to me. Like, oh, they're actually catering to the adults taking the children to these movies. Um, And I really enjoyed that. So after seeing it, I was like, huh, it's something I'd actually go and see if, you know, I didn't have something going on or if it's too hot outside or whatever. It's something that I wouldn't like avoid. You know what I mean? If it was there, it was an option and it was the only option I'd go. I just, I think that the way they're making the children's movies now, they are making them more appealing to adults. And I'm actually really happy about that. So that's my take on Dora. I think it's going to be funny. I think it's going to be funny. I hope it's going to be a funny at least. So, yeah. I, I, I hope it's funny too. Uh, I, I did watch Dora when I was a little younger. Uh, with, That's with, because you're uh, like five years younger than I am. Yeah. I did not. <laughs> All right. I was like the first that was, down the party. That was an insult to yourself. <laughs> Jeez. No, actually, I like, Joe, I'm only one year older than you, and I'm also with Julie. Like, somehow that one year just kind of made all the difference. <laughs> I mean, I was, I was like the first round of Barney, so... Yeah. Well, nice. Yeah. Well, now that you've insulted yeah. yourself, I won't be. I know, I'm old. Yeah. I'm I mean, maybe I, I miss maybe I miss Dora because my parents also didn't let us watch TV even when we were younger. So maybe that has something to do with it. That I mean, that, that could be too. Yeah, yeah, that would that would uh, play a part of it. Um, but yeah, that's right. my uh, that's my trailer this week. Dora the Explorer. Apparently, I'm In resorting the, to children's yeah, movies. Yeah. Uh, well. We don't really have an easy way to transition here, so we're just going to transition into uh, the films that we've seen in the last few weeks, which is really just me uh, this week. Uh, and we'll go from talking about... Rude. Well, you know, hey, ne- next week we've got The Lion King that we'll all see and we'll all talk about. But this this week, to hold us over, we have Midsommar, uh, which I got to see uh, the, a couple days ago. Uh, we've talked about it on this pod, but for those that aren't familiar, it is the uh, follow-up from director-writer Ari Aster, who wrote uh, and directed Hereditary, uh, which came out last year. Uh, it's it's from both films are from A24. Uh, Hereditary is A24's highest-grossing film to date, uh, which is wild to think because they also did films like Moonlight, which uh, won Best Picture. Um, but, uh, yeah, Midsommar is the follow-up from that director, and it stars Florence Pugh and Jack Rayner and a couple other people, and it's great. Uh, I loved every second of it. It's completely... Uh, it's... As, as you hear my dog uh, get up right in my face, and we're just going to keep going because... He's not going to stop tonight, so you all get to hear part of Max as I talk about this. Uh, but this movie's great. Um, it, similar to Hereditary, uh, Ari Aster 
uh, investigates part of the human psyche. This is more of a psychological hill, uh, psychological horror film than it is a supernatural horror film. Um, a lot of the 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 scares, quote unquote, occur off screen. Um, the ones that you do see on screen are very unsettling. I mean, very unsettling. Um, but I really appreciate that more. I don't like jump scares in films. I think they're lazy. Uh, I mean, some some films do it well, but most films that just throw jump scares in, it's lazy and stupid, and I get bored. Stuff like this, like Hereditary, like Midsommar, that of an out of body kind of horror that that you can have to imagine with your with you know you got to use your brain to to envision the horrors that are taking place. That to me resonates a lot more. Um, and I knew that going in, I had very high expectations. This film exceeded my expectations. Uh, like I said, it's really weird. It's definitely less approachable than Hereditary. So if you haven't seen uh, either one of these films, I would strongly recommend watching Hereditary first before watching Midsommar. Um, but another thing that I'll just quickly share about this film, um, like Hereditary, Ari Aster, is the, the director, is uh, shaping up to be one of the best uh, actors, directors, and that I that I have seen uh, in recent years because he elicited the best performance that I saw in film last year in Tony Collette in Hereditary and Florence Pugh, my God, she is absolutely incredible in this film. Uh, like this will probably be a top five performance for me on the year, uh, and it comes right at the very first scene. It's the first scene is like a five minute long take. Uh, uncut that captures uh the florence pugh's character danny in her like the worst moment of her entire life and it it most of the of, of that cut is on pugh's face and she kills it and i had goosebumps and i was in from that moment um this film is very long for a horror film it's uh two and a half hours uh and but I didn't feel it. I was I was in from that first scene. Um, I gave it a nine. Um, I gave it a nine out of ten. Uh, it's going to be one of the best films that I've seen this year, or that I'll see this year, just like uh, Hereditary was. And it firmly establishes Ari Aster as the best mind in horror right now, uh, by far. <laughs> Sorry. Even more so than Jordan Peele. Yeah. I, well, I think so. I I put I would put okay, Ari, Ari yeah, uh, but yeah I mean it's Jordan Peele would be the only other person that could like be in the same ballpark uh, because uh, David Robert Mitchell the director of It Follows uh, his follow up to that film was a complete well it wasn't a complete dud but it was mostly a dud uh, it was uh, Under the Silver Lake which wasn't all that good um, but uh, yeah for me I love psychological horror. Uh, and the, there's nothing better in that in that department uh, than films like Midsommar and Hereditary. Um, yeah, I gave it a nine. It's got an 82% on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, if you've seen Hereditary, if you liked Hereditary, you will like Midsommar. Go see it. Um, the other film that I got to see uh, just yesterday, actually, uh, it was another A24 film. 
uh, me and my A24 films. This one was uh, The Last Black Man in San Francisco. Uh, this this one was... Uh, I, I enjoyed it. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I... I wasn't. I, I didn't really know what to expect going in, and early on there were a lot of really there was some really outlandish edits and some really out like like hard to grasp sequences uh, that that made like I mean the first twenty minutes or so that made it uh, made me be like oh you know I'm not not like this as much as I uh, as I thought I was going to. Uh, but I, I stuck with it. I stuck with the film. Uh, I kind of got what director, uh, first-time director Joe Talbot and first-time actor uh, Jimmy Fails. I kind of got what they were going for. And and then the third act happened, and it completely floored me. And I was like, oh, my goodness. this <laughs> It's like it was, it was a very, very, very slow burn. Uh, definitely worthwhile. Uh, but yeah, there were there were some first time gimmicks to me that that kind of didn't really work. Um, like I said, some editing that was a little out there, and it didn't go away uh, in the second act or in the third act. It just kind of became more manageable for me. Um, but yeah, the guy, the main the main star, Jimmy Jimmy Fails, he plays himself. Like his character's name is also Jimmy Fails, so, and he wrote the screenplay or he co-wrote the screenplay with uh, with uh, the director, um, so it it felt like I mean it was a good performance, but it, like I said, it felt like he was just playing himself, and I could kind of tell that as it was going on, and then I searched it afterwards, it was like oh, he was literally playing himself, um, but still very very fun film, uh, definitely one I would. Th- I would see more as something that you would watch on a streaming service um, in a couple months. You know, you have like a night in or something, and uh, you make yourself make yourself a nice dinner, and then sit down and watch a film. And something like the last man, uh, the last black man in San Francisco, is something that will will uplift you, but also make you think about uh, gentrification and and other um, modern societal issues that we have to face. Um, all in a rather unorthodox film uh, that's definitely very creative. So um, I gave it an 8 out of 10, uh, and it's got a 92% on Rotten Tomatoes. So I flipped those two between that and Midsommar. Um, If you're not watching films, though, you'll be watching TV, and there was a really big TV show. There was a really big TV show that came out, about uh, about ten days ago, uh, is that uh, strang- str- Stranger Things? Strang- so close, so <laughs> close. Some some listeners might have even heard of it. Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe it's made a dent. Uh, yeah, Stranger Things uh, season three came out. Um, it came out on the fourth of July, and or was it on the fourth or was it on the fifth? Did they just or did they just uh, drop it on the fourth and know they could do whatever they want? I think they just dropped it on the fourth. Yeah, uh, but yeah, it's like we're Netflix; we can do whatever we want. Well, y- we know you're gonna watch this regardless of whether it's actually on the fourth of July the or fourth. not. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Well, it's really good. Um, I binge watched both season two, which I hadn't seen, and season three, basically back to back. I finished season two on the third, and then went right into the uh, the the third season on the fifth, 
because I didn't watch anything on the 4th because I'm a normal person with family members. And Actually, that's not true. As a family, we all watch Furious 7 the night of July 4th. <laughs> so, never mind. <laughs> we watched Furious 7. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, the next wow. day, yeah, the next day I watched Stranger Things. I really liked it. Peter, what did you think about the new season of Stranger Things? Uh, I, I I really liked I really like season three. Um, I, I know a lot of people knock on season two a bunch. Um, and season two definitely was not uh, the, the, it definitely had some moments where it was not necessarily at, at like at its peak, um, like specifically like episode seven. I think a lot of people don't like all that much. Um, I do, but season three, I thought like uh, they, they, it was like a return to form for the first season. Um, in some aspects, it was, I think it was even better than the first season, but the first season will always have a special place to me. Um, I think it was just so well done, but this, this season was a gem. It, 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 it introduces just new characters or made some like previously just mentioned characters like, uh, have, have more prominent parts. So like, uh, Lucas's little sister, Erica, uh, you can't spell America without Erica. Like that girl is hilarious, and she she knocked out of the park. Um, the new addition of uh, Robin, played by Maya Hawk, I believe is the actress's name. Um, she was great, and then her dynamic with with Steve and Dustin and Erica was just wonderful. Um, I thought that the overall story that they did progressed very well, and. Uh, the the new monsters that they came up with were excellent and grotesque, um, and uh, and and the moments that they were leaning into the horror a little more, I thought they were actually kind of creepy. Um, yeah, overall, I thought the season was done very very well. Um, and and Netflix they they sent out some sort of uh, tweet or ah here it is. Uh, so uh, six days ago, I guess now, uh, Netflix tweeted out that Stranger, Thi- Stranger Things 3 is breaking Netflix records. 40.7 million household household accounts have, have been watching the show since its July 4 global launch, more than any other film or series in its first four days. And 18.2 million have already finished the entire season. So that is within four days, 18.2 million uh, accounts had already finished the series and 40.7 million households had already started watching it. So it was like, it was shattering Netflix records for the amount of people who were excited and ready to watch. Yeah. Uh, Peter, I, I think it helped for me that I watched, uh, season two, like, and season three, basically back to back because it made season three that much better. Uh, and I enjoyed, I mean, I enjoyed season two. Uh, I wasn't a huge fan of of episode seven. Um, but I, what, what I, I really liked, um, the change in filmmaking style, uh, in, in season three, um, there, the, the, the style felt much more modern, much more almost like, almost like Michael Bay, those, those pans from one, uh, or the, uh, from one side of a character to another, um, like a 180 degree pan, uh, with like what Michael Bay does in a lot of his films, except Michael Bay will put uh, like a like a city skyline or something in the background, something huge uh, to make the shot feel ridiculously big. But yeah, but but they I do mean, like I a think wall. They did this. 
Yeah, I think they did it better here than yeah. Michael Bay does it. Michael Bay does it for like the excess of movement that he enjoys right. seeing in, in scenes. I think this right. season did it to more kind of emulate like mid-late 80s action movies, um, yeah. which I think this did very well. So it was emulating more of the, the, the action movies as opposed to the horror movies that had previously done. Yeah, and it also um, felt more like felt more claustrophobic to me at least. Um, oh yeah, and I really liked I, I liked all the performances. All the the actors have really settled in uh, to to their grooves. And personally, I love what they did in the final episode, which we're not gonna spoil, obviously. But I love I love I love the ending. The ending to the uh, to this season was phenomenal. I don't think they're going to be able to top it in any way, shape, or form. Um, this was like a Toy Story three esque ending to me, um, and we'll we'll see we'll see what they what we'll see what they can do. Uh, but I, I will say I did have a little bit of issues with the way they were writing one character for like the first two episodes, but then they they kind of got over the way that they were writing that and, and moved on. And I was like, okay, cool. Thanks for moving on. Cause I wasn't a fan of that, but uh, yeah, that was kind of my only real knock on the season. Uh, Julie, you said you're like two episodes, three episodes in. I've only watched two episodes so far and I can't guarantee that I was a hundred percent paying attention. Um, but this series, I, I love, <laughs> I love this series. I do know what happens at the end uh, because you can't avoid spoilers for that long. Um, so I, do know what happens oh, however that's not gonna stop that's too bad so, that's too bad i plan on hopefully and we're it. not gonna we're not gonna spoil yeah. it here i will pick no. it i will pick back up on it maybe even tonight hopefully maybe i can watch a couple episodes just unfortunately i'm not one of those people who can who can do that i wish i could you got this i will you try hard this. but there's no chance i'll probably fall asleep <laughs> before i dance <laughs> fair enough anyway uh peter there was another show you wanted to talk about right uh so the other sh- show that i'm that i want to talk about is uh, it's called three below it's on netflix and it's the sequel series to troll hunters which is an animated cg series on netflix both are from the minds of guillermo del toro and um he he's he's based off a series of of children's kind of fantasy books that he's that he's co-written and so troll hunters is kind of about like these mystical like trolls living in this town in in in, i believe california and so then three below is uh they've introduced aliens in into this town and so the second season came out uh just two days ago and it's uh it's really good it's really sweet and charming it's very much like a uh, like a y7 demographic series so four kids but i don't care because i love animation and it's um one of the themes that they've had since for for both seasons of the show is um like a idea of illegal aliens or illegal immigrants and they're kind of um exploring that within a children's show and and like actual aliens from outer space coming down and like hiding out um and and so then they doubled down on it um in, in the second season and like really leaned into it and kind of tried to paint uh certain individuals with with a bad light um so so it's it's kind of tackling kind of more serious um topics and themes but it's doing it within within the the world of a the world and understanding of of a children's perspective um it's it's really good i enjoy it there will be a third series um coming out so there's troll hunters and then three below and there's a third series i believe it's called wizards and so it will come out at the later part of this year um 
this second season of Three Below is is the last. So, um, but I definitely recommend it, and I definitely recommend it if you have children. Um, you can have them watch both seasons of Troll Hunters and then both seasons of Three Below, and it's great. Some of the animation is beautiful, and the storytelling is just exactly right for for children. And it's from the mind of Guillermo del Toro, so like, yeah, that's always that should good. be enough. That's yeah, that's always a good thing. <laughs> uh, yes. So, uh, thank you for that recommendation there peter uh we have some news that we're just gonna hit on mostly uh first off uh we had two unfortunate uh uh, two two rather relevant stars pass away unfortunately in the last couple weeks uh uh cameron boyce uh one of the uh disney uh one of disney's big uh child like child stars childish stars uh he was in Disney's The Descendants. Uh, he died suddenly at age 20. Uh, in, in response, Disney has postponed the premiere of The Descendants 3. Uh, very sad news for that. Never good when someone goes uh, that early. It's always sad. Uh, we also lost uh, Rip Torn uh, on the 9th. Uh, he was 88, so he was much older. Uh, but... Um, he was most notably in the first Men in Black. Uh, he was also Patches O'Hulihan in Dodgeball, and he was also in the Larry Sanders Show, uh, among other things. Um, definitely a prolific actor that had been in the business for the better part of, geez, 50 years? Six, almost 60 years. Um, so also unfortunate that he went... Um, yeah, on the other side, we had a couple uh, people get added, or a couple new things in upcoming films. Uh, most notably, David Fincher and Gary Oldman are teaming up for uh, a biopic on the Citizen Citizen Kane screenwriter. Uh, his name is Herman Mankiewicz, and uh, it's being done through Netflix. So Netflix just landed another major, major director in David Fincher. Uh, well, they I, already had a partnership with Fincher, so not that surprising. Yeah, but this is his first film that he's doing for him, right? He did a series though. He did Mindhunter with him. Yeah, well, and he did uh, he did uh, House of Cards. He's he was the my, the first mind behind House of Cards. Oh right, uh, I forgot that. Yeah, so he'd been around forever, but this is his first film that he's doing with uh, Netflix, which is a bit of a different animal than than TV. Um, so that's that's cool, uh, but. Also on the streaming front, uh, HBO Max was officially announced from Warner Brothers. That's their new streaming service. I imagine, uh, Peter, correct me if I'm wrong, but I would imagine that the fate of um, of DC, DC Universe would go with HBO Max, right? Or uh, has anyone talked about that? No, there, uh, there's just been speculation so far. Um, no one from Warner Media has confirmed that they'll just that they're going to absorb that because it would make sense. That, it would, but one of the things that makes DC Universe really different is that it's it's not exclusively for for movies and series. It also functions as an online outlet for DC Comics. So if you subscribe to DC Comics or okay. you subscribe to the service, you can also download digital versions of all of their comic books. Um, so you're getting all of that. So if they were, if so, DC, if HBO Max were to absorb DC Universe, then they would either have to also put out, uh, also include this comic feature, or they would just have to get rid of it, which was a big like factor for a lot of DC 
like fans who wanted like access to their digital comics without necessarily having to go go out to their comic book store or or, or their bookstore and buy them uh, in, in individual paper issues. So it, I, no one's made any announcement yet. Um, there is speculation it will be absorbed, but nothing firm. Okay. Uh, I'm sorry you were talking about that. I, I saw on the Google Doc. I'm I'm trying to hold back my excitement right now. Uh, I saw in the Google Doc you mentioned uh, Lashana Lynch uh, taking over as 007, and I was like, wait a minute, that can't that can't possibly that can't yeah, possibly so be right. That is awesome. I am it's, so excited. Oh my it, god. <laughs> okay, so since you clearly didn't know about this, do you no, want me to I didn't know of... about this at all. How did I not okay, know? So... <laughs> Because it broke, it broke like yesterday, I think. So it's it's only the past two days. It's not a like a long running story. It's just kind of like caught wind. And so, uh, Lashana Lynch uh, is is in the next James Bond movie, Bond Twenty Five, which is being directed by what Kerry Joji Fukunaga, or is, yeah, is that right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, also, um, Chris, uh, Christoph Waltz is returning to it, but that's neither here nor there compared to this <laughs> news. So yeah, so so Lashana Lynch is. Uh, she has been cast in it, and for a long time, people have, have speculated that she would just be another Bond girl. Um, but as of, I believe, yesterday, rumors started breaking that she was actually playing 007, and Daniel Craig was playing a retired Bond. Um, so that has me really confused, because Daniel Craig is still in the movie, and so Daniel Craig is still the... Like you, you, you kind of think that Daniel Craig is still the star leading the thing, so that has me curious as to if he is retired and Lashana Lynch's character is going to be in there for only part of the movie, and then they kill her off to bring Daniel Craig out of retirement, which then looks real shitty because then you just cast a black woman for her publicity stunt just to kill her, and I'm like, ooh, no, that's terrible. Um, so I, I don't know what, like, I, I'm all for LaShawn Lynch playing. I don't know what her playing 007 in a movie with Daniel Craig still in it playing, also playing 007 means. Like, it it has me confused. Um, yeah, so I, uh, we'll have to wait and see what, what happens when the movie comes out and what her role actually is, because right now this is still just rumored. Um, I really hope it is not just a publicity son of, yes, yeah, she's playing 007, and then they kill her off just to bring Daniel Craig out of retirement. Yeah, that would, that, be, would be that would be very super, bad. super there's, terrible. There's and no way to positively really spin bad. that. There's no exactly. There's way no to... positive spin on that. Um, yeah. Again, there shouldn't be. But so, so right now I'm confused. Um, I have thoughts for what I have potent. I have thoughts for what it potentially is or what it potentially is not. Um, but yeah, as of like yesterday, it was rumored that Lashana Lynch is playing 007 in Bond 25, and that yeah. Daniel Craig is playing a more retired Bond. So there's, I don't know what that means, but that's what the rumor is currently. There's I'm looking through these. There's a lot of sites that are reporting this. I, I think this is more than just a rumor. I think this is like pretty much pretty much confirmed, as confirmed as confirmed can be in today's times, uh, without the studio actually saying anything. But there's like. There's like right, ten but different what, but publications, like, but whatever um, whatever it means for her character, though, that's what I'm like. Yeah, right, right, right. What does it mean? But if they do it like how they set up Money Penny in uh, Skyfall, that would be really cool. Where she's kind of like she's a secret agent, and then at the end of the film, Craig is like, you know, James Bond is like, okay, I think I think we found a new 007 or something, and like sets her up like that. But yeah, if they kill her off early on, that there's no earthly way to positively spin that. I doubt. Uh, I doubt Fukunaga would go with that. No, I don't think. But so I have either. no idea. 
I don't I don't think the studio behind that uh, Eon Eon is out of time out of touch very much so uh very much so but i I don't think they're either they or or like whichever family owns the rights for bond has previously said that there will never be yeah they've never they've they've previously said there will never be a woman bond there will never be a black bond they have said those things so and they have final say so i don't know what this means it has me very confused and also a little worried yeah well i don't think they're that stupid but uh, we'll see. We'll see. But that's great. Uh, Lashana Lynch, of course, she was in Captain Marvel. Uh, she had a major role in Captain Marvel. She was opposite Brie Larson as the other, like the other fi- fighter pilot. Uh, very, very, very excited about that news. That news is amazing. I'm glad I scrolled down and saw that and just took it right to that. Um, let's see what other. Oh yeah, Dexter Fletcher is going to direct uh, Sherlock Holmes three. Uh, Dexter Fletcher is the director of Rocket Man. Uh, which is, you know, which is great, and you should see it. Uh, let's see, what else do we got? Do you want uh, to jump down to the other Sherlock Holmes news? Yeah, the other, that's what I was looking for. There it is. Uh, uh, Henry Cavill has been cast to play Sherlock Holmes in an, adop- uh, an adaptation of Enola Holmes uh, with Millie Bobby Brown slated to play uh, Enola Holmes because Millie Bobby Brown can do whatever she wants, uh, as can Henry Cavill. That's, that'll be kind of cool. I, I look forward to seeing uh what uh henry cavill what his interpretation of sherlock holmes looks like i I Um, saw i saw something where it's like he's joined the ranks of superheroes playing playing sherlock holmes because it's him and robert downey jr has played him and so is benedict cumberbatch (laughs) there you go (laughs) yep um let's see oh yeah and then the writer of john wick uh derek colstead is joining a writing team for a disney plus series falcon and winter soldier uh so that's a marvel property uh, that's going to have its own spinoff, and it's got the uh, John, writer of John Wick behind it, so that's pretty cool. Um, R. Kelly was arrested on federal sex trafficking charges. We all know he's a vile individual and needs to go away forever. Uh, I'm sure everyone knew that already. Uh, let's see. Let's talk about a quick update to the Writers Guild. Yes, I know you want me to talk about ScarJo. We're getting to ScarJo. <laughs> Yes, I know. <laughs> uh, but quickly first, Writers Guild update. Uh, CAA joined William Morris Endeavor and UTA uh, in, in uh, accusing the Writers Guild of having too much power and being a guild and doing what a guild's supposed to do. Uh, so now there are three talent agencies that are joining a lawsuit against the Writers Guild, which, again, we've, we've talked about that. We think that lawsuit is ridiculous, uh, but... It just makes me sad that now there's another uh, talent agency that's joining it, uh, and this one is CAA. Uh, But then, yes, uh, Peter, ScarJo, she made some really crappy things. She said some stupid things uh, in the last few days. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, she did. did. Do you want to take us through it? Uh, yeah, let me, let me go ahead and pull up her exact quote quickly. It's not great, Dan. Um, Nope, it's not great. No. Um, Julie, so, wait, as you're doing that, Julie, yeah, you there? You still here. with us? Yeah, we're gonna lose Julie here in a second. Uh, before we lose Julie forever, it's not um, forever. It's for tonight. <laughs> <laughs> to me, it feels like forever. <laughs> Julie, do you have anything that you would like to add? Anything that you would like to talk about? 
No, I'm going to research the thing we talked about earlier, though. So maybe next week. Okay. All right. Well, yes, we'll be back. Julie will be back with us next week. She's probably going to leave while Peter and I are talking about ScarJo being stupid. Uh, Yeah, I never liked her anyway, so it's okay. uh, Yeah, yeah. (laughs) You're going to lose so much sleep. So much sleep over ScarJo. But, yeah, Julie will be back with us next week when we talk about The Lion King. So. Oh, yes. uh, Yes. (laughs) We will see you then. Uh, Thank you for joining us this week. Have a good night, guys. Bye. You too. Bye. Bye. So, Peter, ScarJo, have you pulled up that quote? Yep, I pulled up the quote. Okay, so for anyone who has who is not aware of Scarlett Johansson's inability to do good publicity lately, re, okay, so I'm figuring out where to start with this. So, um, Scarlett Johansson has a uh, history of picking up roles that she should not because um, they tend to. Uh, she she tends to essentially like hijack um, other cultures or appropriate other cultures in doing so. She tends to kind of uh, whitewash uh, other other roles, for for lack of better words. Um, so, for example, um, she starred as uh, as the major in in Ghost in the Shell, the, the the American Hollywood live action adaptation of the acclaimed Japanese anime series Ghost in the Shell. Um, the series is amazing. Her movie absolutely terrible and the character is very specifically japanese and it is like that it just it should not have been adapted the way it was so there that's one thing but i mean also she's playing she's a white actress playing a japanese character and it just doesn't work um so then she a couple months ago she she maybe it was last year even at this point she uh she decided she was going to produce and star in a movie called rub and tug which is about two of the first um, o- openly trans people um, in. Uh, oh, I can't remember the context of who they are exactly. Do you? Uh, can you look that up, Joe? Yeah, I could do that. Uh, I also just want to point out that Rub and Tug is the worst name for a movie. Like, just it's a bad name. Uh, uh, it, it's it's not great, but it makes more sense with like the actual story of yeah, that I'm, I'm forgetting right now. Uh, based on the true story of Tex Gill, a trans man who became the crime kingpin of 1970s Pittsburgh through his empire of illicit massage parlors. Yeah, so see, it makes sense. Yeah. Um. So so Scarjo had had signed on to produce and star in that movie as the trans um, individual. And then she got a lot of backlash from, from the trans LGBTQ community saying, Hey, yo, um, why are you taking this role? Like there are like, there are a ton of trans actors, actresses out here that can, that can play that role that should play that role. And so after like, kind of like a week of not great publicity, she finally backed down and, and when I think her, her, her representative also made some terrible comments. And so then she finally backed down and um, she's still producing the film, but she's not starring in it. And I don't know if that has gone anywhere since then, but so over the past couple of days, um, this, this has got brought back up because she was doing a press junket for something. And uh, 
some reporter asked her a question um, regarding to her her decisions to take these roles that she should not, such as like whitewashing an Asian character or trying to erase kind of trans history by being a straight cis woman playing a trans person. Um, and her response is kind of terrible. It says, you know, as an actor, I should be allowed to play any person or any tree or any animal because that is my job and the requirements of my job real smooth and that's just kind of really terrible like yeah. no like you're it's not, you're, it's not you're great. dehumanizing people in that comment you're saying oh my god yeah it's 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 bad on so many levels like beyond beyond the the hubris of of being an act like being a, a successful actor for as long as she's been like like to not only be like, oh, it's my job to to play any role that's put in front of me, as like a uh, you know as a uber successful actor would say, to then to then also dehumanize transgender people. It's like, what are yeah, you exactly. doing? And then her her response of saying, well, okay, well, so we haven't gotten to that part yet. Like, so so. We haven't yeah. gotten to that part yet. So, <laughs> so she said this comment, and it's it's absolutely terrible and horrible, and and she's getting a lot of hate for it, as she should, um, um, because it's 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 dehumanizing an entire part of culture or, or like group and community, and and it's 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 just terrible. And so, then um, in response, she. <laughs> Once she realized that there was a bunch of backlash going on, she decided to go out and make a statement saying that her comments were taken out of context. The, the quote I read to you had no ellipses in it. There was nothing taken out of context. That was her response. Like, she trails on for a little bit longer, but it doesn't change anything. It's just like, that is her statement, like, in, in full. It's like, no, your, your comments were not taken out, were not taken out of context. They, they were read in full. Um they were interpreted as terribly as they are. And in doing so, you're dehumanizing people. You won't accept your own mistake. Um, and like what she kind of tried to say was that what she, what she was trying to say was that they were taken a context because she wanted to say that um, in an ideal society, um, any, like any, any person should be able to play any, any type of part. Um, and so what she was trying to say was that any actor or actress should be able to play whatever part is most challenging to them. So if you are a straight actor playing, playing a gay character or playing a trans actor, sure, go for it. But if you're a trans, trans actor, actress playing a cis role should be a thing or playing a person of the opposite gender should be a thing. Like it's, that's what she was saying. Like anyone should be able to play anyone. And like, in a nutshell, sure, cool. Like, I get that. Problem is, we have not reached that point in society yet. We're still trying to advocate for the LGBTQ community. We're still trying to advocate for trans rights and that trans people are people. We're still trying to do that. So her saying that her comments were taken out of context and that that was what she meant, it still doesn't fly because she just doesn't get it. She, has, she doesn't get that society has not caught up to that point yet. And so her her things are in what her decisions and her statements are still insensitive. Once we have hopefully someday reached a point where we're not where 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 the LGBTQ community and the trans community are are like represented equally among the, the straight community. Once we've reached that point, then sure, then her comments can be read as she might have 
potentially intended them, though I'm not 100% sure that is exactly what she meant. But that just might be me being a little negative on Scarlet after she literally cannot do publicity correctly. Yeah, it, it doesn't help her case when, when she played, uh, when she was in Ghost in the Shell and was in was involved in the whitewashing of Ghost in the Shell. Like, when you already have a bad track record behind you to then also have, you know, I mean, that then have stuff like this, to say something like this, like, it, it it's, it's tough for me to believe that your comment was taken out of context. I, it, it, yeah, I mean, whatever. She's, she's a super famous actress. She's gonna ultimately be fine. I'm sure at some point soon, uh, she's going to have her PR firm officially issue she an better. apology. Uh, and yeah, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm gonna guess it's gonna follow along the lines of, I'm sorry if you were offended by my comments. I'm sure it's gonna follow that line. Uh, because that just is very typical in 2019 to get an apology like that. And one of those good old non-apology apologies. But, yeah, I mean, it's stupid. And I'm I mean, like, the I'm, stupid part I'm is that she just doesn't get Star it. Like, she got backlash I mean, for whitewashing a character. And then she yeah. got backlash for, for trying to erase, like, trans history. And then, like, and then she thinks her comments are bad. Like, come on. <laughs> like, come on. Yeah. It it is, I, I I will say I'm 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 happy that we've at least reached a point in our society where this is more the norm than the uh, than the conversation on background. Like we are still just like four years removed from uh, uh, Jared Leto winning Best Supporting Actor for Dallas Buyers Club and being a cis- which like to be fair he did a yeah, great job but- in that role. But ideally, that should have gone right. to a trans that person. That role should have gone to a trans person, person, and uh, 100% all the way. So it's like five, uh, 2013, so six years ago. Let, let's also not forget that Jeffrey Tambor won the Emmy for uh, Transparent on a, Ooh, on Amazon. Yeah, that's right, that too. Um, so to go from that, I think those I think those happened in yeah. the same year too. To go from that to now, ScarJo is getting a lot of flack for. Uh, trying to play transgender roles as a cisgender star, uh, I'm you know there's some there's some hope until I turn to my right and see Donald Trump is still president. But you know we'll we'll just we'll just ignore that. Uh, I'll try to at least. But anyway, the only other bit of news that happened this week uh, there was a bit of drama in the Hobbs and Shaw premiere which uh, obviously I've talked about Hobbs and Shaw. I'm excited for that because I love the Fast and Furious franchise. Um, and there were some electrical issues in the Hobbs and Shaw premiere to the point that there were like sparks literally flying in in Hobbs and Shaw. Uh, but it was all good. Uh, the Rock came out and said some things that you would expect The Rock to say. And he even like blamed the mishap on jason statham's character so he was like just straight up in character and uh he's great the rock is wonderful he could do whatever he wants um so yeah it it was all fine but it's just kind of funny that like literal electricity uh, electric sparks were flying at the hobbs and shaw premiere so that's how electric that film is (laughs) wow you're trying so hard i really am (laughs) um and then finally, our box office recap. Uh, Spider-Man 
once again took home first place uh, with 45 million. Um, Toy Story 4 came in second with 20 mil. And then newcomers Crawl and Stuber had 12 mil and 8 mil, respectively. Um, I don't know. I think I mentioned it in a past week, but I got more uh, free screening invites for Stuber. I think I must have had like eight different screenings happen in Cincinnati alone that were all free for for Stuber, um, which is insane to have that many. Uh, and I haven't even bothered to look at the Rotten Tomatoes, but I'm sure it's like 12%. Or something, if that uh, on Rotten Tomatoes, um, it looks like I, mean, a very... I can I can look right now. Yeah, you can. That's my guess. I my guess is twelve percent. What 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 is the number? The actual number? We're leaving all of this in. Because uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm... Your, your guess was twelve. Yep. Forty six. Forty six. Yeah. Wow. So the the tomato meter is forty six, and then the audience score. The audience score is eighty one percent. Wow. Very, so maybe you should have taken one yeah. of those free shows. Yeah, maybe I should have. Jeez, wow, that's very surprising. Uh, that's like that's like a hundred percent for a, a most modern American comedies. I just say most now because there are films like Booksmart that are great. Um, but yeah, and finally, fifth place was Yesterday uh, with six mil. I'm hoping to see that this week. Uh, very excited. Um, finally, the only other thing that I'm going to mention is. Uh, Avengers Endgame added another 1.6 million uh, domestically, uh, bringing its total the, it up to like 2.82 billion dollars, and the record is 2.88 for the number one highest-grossing film of all time. So it's seven mil, seven like seven and a half mil away. Uh, I don't know what they're gonna do to get there. Like you'd think. It's Disney. Disney wants to have the highest grossing film of all time. But Disney owns Fox and Avatar yeah, Fox. Now they, so yeah, Disney so also they owns Avatar. But to be that close, to be seven million away, uh, and it like it made well, it, it made be, under to two. To be fair, to be fair, I think I, some some of that for Avatar includes re-releases. So I mean, I think in terms of like an an original theatrical release like original like initial theatrical release i do think that um that uh endgame has passed avatars like first take um but in terms of re-releases avatar still reigns supreme i mean it it will definitely cross it when you're only seven million away there's there's no way that disney will let that sit uh with with... well until disney decides they want to re-release avatar before the sequels come out (laughs) yeah Let's be real. That's gonna happen. It, like, okay. It's gonna. It, it's a. It's a really easy way for them to make more money. Yeah, you're not wrong. Uh, anyway, on that note, uh, my timer says we're at 60 minutes. I don't know what we're actually gonna be because we are gonna have to do. I'm gonna have to do some editing. But uh, but yeah, on that note, uh, that's it for this week. Uh, the those numbers that I just mentioned on the box office will be completely obliterated next week when The Lion King comes in and makes probably over a hundred million dollars uh, this upcoming weekend. Uh, I think I saw somewhere what they said. I think what their projection is, but it's probably over a hundred mil. Um, My projection for that is like one seventeen. One hundred seventeen mil. I have no idea how accurate that is. So I'm yeah. pulling that number out of nowhere, I was, but I was, I'm I was, saying one seventeen. I was gonna say, are you guessing one hundred seventeen dollars? Just straight up. 
One dollar. <laughs> I'm I'm not that down on that film. I think I think one person is gonna go see Lion King. <laughs> one single person. <laughs> all right, but we'll be talking about that next week. We'll hopefully all go see it and talk about it all together. So we'll actually be able to have a conversation, and it will be great. Uh, but in the meantime, thanks for joining. Thanks for listening. We will see you next week. Peace out.